Hello. Hey, John. How are you? Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Merlin, man. John Roderick. No. That's not a good song. No. You don't like that? It's a march. You don't like marches? <laughs> you know what I did? I, I cribbed a little bit from Janet Jackson, and, and I think that's what you should do. You should go back to the great stars of our youth hmm. and, and find a song. Okay. Let me make some notes. But, I mean, you know what? I, I didn't have to find it. It's like a kind of synesthesia when I hear your name and when I hear your voice. Huh. Who had that? Was it... Um Baudrillard, Baudelaire, Baudie, who had it? Somebody had that. Bruce? Uh, Baudry, Baudry. Who's the guy that says, uh, <laughs> there's hmm, a TV guy. That's not Bruce the guy. Lee? That's what I'm thinking of. You know what? I, you know, I tell my daughter this. You know, you know the thing about Bruce Lee? I don't know if this is true. Mm. Bruce Lee's success, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, because he's a great actor. He's a terrific actor. Yeah. You know, the thing is, he's a very, he's a very moving story, very moving story. But you know what I heard Bruce Lee says, Bruce Lee says, if you want to break a board and I'm, again, I'm not really sure how effective that is from day to day, but if you want to break a board, you know right. what? You don't aim for the board. Uh Oh, you aim two inches behind the board. Wow. That affects me in day to day life. You, you keep aiming two inches behind the board. I've never hit a board, but I know when it happens, <laughs> I have a pretty good idea where to aim. I'm surprised. How- he, I, he seems like he might've done that in metrics. Isn't he from Hong Kong? Uh, yeah, but that was before metrics were invented. Okay, um, that's how Uma Thurman got out of that um, that coffin that was buried six feet underground. Oh, in that uh, the the movie with the guy who likes feet. That's right. Uh, yeah. So that was okay. Okay, I think about that all the time because I have a um, I have a I have a uh, I'm a claustrophobic and I have a fear of being buried alive. It's not funny, but, no, but, but do you no, know that that's, uh, you've probably researched this in your mini sleepless nights. You know, that's a thing, right? You're not alone in that, in by a long shot. Oh, uh, about being buried. Uh, I haven't researched it because it's not a thing that I, that is not <laughs> a topic that I want to socially network around. Okay. Okay, so you're not on Quora, like asking hey. questions about, or ask Metafilter, like the best way to deal with. No, it's so, the thing that I hmm. just want to put out of my mind. When it comes into my mind, I ask myself, how did this get in my mind? And uh, then I, I just work to get it out. Can I be honest? I don't buy that. Is that right? Oh, are you kidding me? You keep cigarettes around your house just to make yourself stronger. It seems to me like you're the kind of person who might actually, I don't know if you want to get Ken Stringfellow's coffin, but you would get some kind of a coffin that you could practice with. Mm. It's really, even talking about it now is giving me the creepy crawlies. I think it was a Poe. There were, I think it was, I'll have to look this up, but I think it was Edgar Allan Poe had the same, you know, did, he did the thing where they uh, put the guy in the, in the brick the guy into the... Like the cask of the Amontillado. A cask of Amontillado. I think he had some kind of a special coffin that had like hinges and a phone. He had, mm-hmm. he, he had a plan. This, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to upset you, but it just seems to me that you're a man who arguably uh, thrives, if mm-hmm. you like, lives by, by confronting your fears. I don't think Edgar Allan Poe had a phone in his coffin. I don't have a way to prove that. <laughs> just, just, just going back on the timeline. Hmm. You don't think so? Not at all. He couldn't have like a. I, I don't think know. he might have had a bell. <laughs> I think. Give I think me a quick one. Give me a quick one. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> He's alive. <laughs> You'd need a pretty big fucking bell to be heard six feet under. Well, I think what it is is uh, after they bury you, it's too late for the bell. But during the period. During the period where you could actually just knock on it and get people's attention. Oh, so maybe more like a mausoleum. 
Yeah, right. Okay, maybe, yeah, if he expected to be buried above ground. What about when you call your butler? Don't you pull, like, a, a large silk rope, and then that rings in the butler's pantry? Do, what do I do? No, well, you I had get, a butler's uh, pantry on Super Train, right? Uh, on Super Train, I have a butler's pan- pantry, but uh, <laughs> but but here around the house, I just use one of those uh, vuvuvulas. <laughs> Did you know that those spread disease? Vuvuvulas? Turns out that that is a huge... Vuvuvulas? Yeah. Think about that. Think about a vuvuzula. And I think of a vuvuzula. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't really right. care. But there was this is a thing when you had the soccer thing a few yeah. years ago. People right. people in the southern countries, they, they get this thing. And I think it's a little bit like those horns that you would buy at a, at a shitty carnival. Like a chauffeur? Oh, you mean like the drives your car around? No, like a shofar, the oh, the, the, like the, the Jewish the conch, oh, the Jewish yeah. conch, right? Yeah, the conch, right? Okay, um, they get to talk when they have the chauffeur. Oh, so you're saying that's that like the, the talking stick at a camp? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except uh, they've been carrying it with them through the desert. That doesn't involve puppets at all. Uh, what the Jewish religion? You know what? Well, Let's move on. A little, there's a little puppetry in it. That's true. I... Uh, so you're saying the vuvuzela is a disease spreader because it's a because as people go into it, it broadcasts their germs. Or, well, or I just want to establish them? for our for our listeners who are not familiar with uh, soccer disease that that yeah. when I was a kid, there was lots of really stupid shit that that you would buy at a carnival that would either break. And or become useless, like the second oh, you pot, like dog, oh, fake oh. dog, fake dog on a leash. Right, or remember the Coke bottle that had been stretched so it was really tall? Oh, that's mysterious. I just kept thinking about how easy that would be to break. Or the or the dog leash, but there was no dog. Invisible the dog, invisible precisely. Dog. You could also, or, like if you finally Coke beat that. mirrors, lots of cocaine mirrors. Leonard, Leonard Skinner, 38 Special. Who do you think of, who do you associate with Coke mirrors? Uh, I, I think 38 special is pretty, that's a pretty good grab. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say also, um, Van Halen is a big Coke mirror thing. You think they saw any money from that? No, that was before you could track all that stuff down. I don't know. I, I don't know if, uh, screen printing Coke mirrors all across America. Did they have, f- did they have phones at the time of Van Halen? Uh, they did have phones, but not in traveling carnivals. carnivals. Traveling carnivals did all their business at a uh, like at uh, a phone booth, like out by the highway. Okay, all right, got it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I do. I'm just thinking. I could see Mike Anthony getting on, getting on uh, whatever version of a carnival person uses for a phone, and saying, "What the fuck? What the fuck? Where's our where's our two cent royalty on all these Coke mirrors? We want our cocaine cut. We want our bump. Is that what you call it? A bump? Yeah, we want a bump. We want, we a, want, bump. We want a little bump. Yeah. Well, the thing that used to uh, the mystify me was those. Um, those feathered roach clips. Oh, feathered yes. roach clips, right? You'd get those at the carnival. But a, I didn't understand what they were for. I think there's so many things I, at a carnival that involve make-believe drug use. Or, see, it seems to me that if you were really serious about it, and I don't know, I, I did cocaine once and it didn't do a lot for me. But I'm just thinking. Is that you, right? <laughs> why is that, fun, oh, why is real, that funny? It's a real busman's holiday for you, right? <laughs> oh, I'm writing that down. <laughs> Okay. All right. We'll come back to that. Um, oh, oh, what is this drug? Oh, it makes you. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It makes you feel real good. Feel yeah. Real strong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm just thinking that if you were someone who who was really serious about cocaine, uh, a you probably aren't hanging out at a carnival. You're you're probably you're probably hanging out with hookers and people who pretend to like you so they can get a free bump off you. Oh, that's where you're wrong, my friend. Okay, well, okay, and this is where this is where I need more of your wisdom. I'm thinking you you're going to buy a glass a glass coffee table or possibly a Peter Frampton uh, live record. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going to use that. Now, I don't know, do razors, I've rolled weed on those, but now, yeah. and you did, you've, you've had cocaine before. I've had cocaine. I think that the coke, I think that the cocaine mirror was, was more of a decorative element than, than truly like, I mean, if you're, when it's time to cut up some cocaine, mm-hmm. I think you're right. You're going to use a Peter Frampton album. Hmm. You're not going to, you're not going to take your Van Halen mirror down off the wall. Does that harm the resale value? Of the Frampton album? Yeah. Well. Depends who's buying, right? <laughs> what resale value? Yeah. God, I was listening to that Peter Frampton the other day on the radio. Mm-hmm. Boy, I can't account for it. I really can't. I, okay, I'm, I'm glad you said it and not me. I never told you my story about the records that accidentally got delivered to my house. You got accidental records? Uh-huh. Did you sign up for one of those record programs and then accidentally order a bunch and not pay for them? Later. <laughs> I one copy of Sports by Huey Lewis harmed mm-hmm. my credit forever. Oh, because you didn't uh because they got you. They got what you. What was huh? the Triumph the, the well all the Triumph records are bad. Was it Alliance or something? It was one of their like mid eighties ones? Did you just say all the Triumph records were bad? Oh my god. <laughs> it was it was like a it was like a brownies version of I like uh, Rush. I like Don't you think yeah, they were kind of fake yeah. rush? Yeah, they were fake rush. They he even tried to sing high and stuff. But thirty eight special was fake Skinnerd. No, no, they were they were they had a huge pop sensibility. Well, so did Triumph. Ugh, I disagree. You well, don't think what? Triumph was the pop rush? That's exactly Triumph. What it was. Triumph er, during the age of Paola, Triumph got their shit jammed into heavy rotation on MTV, and that's why people know who Triumph is. MTV. Oh, you bet. The, the, the fight, the good fight video, constantly that was I'm on. T- I'm talking about album. Or oriented radio. A, they call it AOR in Canada. That's right. AOR. We set the put a U in it. It's AOUR. <laughs> it's called P- Poutine. I didn't even know that Triumph was on MTV because I was too busy driving around. <sighs> I know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is this your locomotive or is this your, po- is this your plane? Is this I was your... too busy riding around in the passenger seat uh-huh, of a Piper Cub of my, fr- <laughs> of my friend's Audi Fox listening to Triumph <laughs> and mowing lawns all summer. <laughs> Uh, God damn it, John! I uh, can I point out one thing just in passing. And fucking a, I never got back to the Vuvuzulas. Yeah, Fuck. Here's the thing, John. I, I you you I mentioned this before in a previous visit, but you did actually once in what I think was what you thought seemed like a jokey way, but was obviously serious. When I wanted to drive one time, you offered to put a broomstick up my ass. You've never not driven. <laughs> And so my question to you is, we know from Pump Chili, we know from this, you're constantly mentioning these people driving around, that you have a suspended license, and how did you handle it? Why, why are people always driving you around, John? W- were you that bad? That, uh, in this particular instance, in were, the Were Audi you wrecked, Fox, on, wrecked on Frampton powder? No, I was 14. <laughs> and you weren't driving at that point? No, I hadn't. Well... You're precocious, John. Technically, here's, here's how I learned to drive. Okay. My, my dad had, a, had an Audi 5000, but it was a diesel... And it had a manual uh, transmission. And he took me out in the town of Girdwood, Alaska, which was at the time a town that had no paved roads. It was just a little dirt town, ski village. And he showed me how the manual transmission worked, and we worked on it, you know, until I could get the car going. I was, I guess I was 15. I had just turned 15. And then um, periodically on his whim, uh, it would never happen when I asked, but on his whim, he would throw me the keys and say, Go, go uh, practice the car. You quit doing the voice. <laughs> He'd say, oh, go practice the car. 
go drive around. Uh, uh, but here's the rule: don't no, don't go over thirty miles an hour. <laughs> Without warning, he would just spring it on you. Don't pop, go over thirty. Pop quiz, hot shot. And so, oh, okay. So I would get the, you know, I'm 15, right? And I would I'd go out, I'd get in the car, I'd start it up, I'd stall it a couple of times, I'd get it going, and then I would drive all over Girdwood and pick up every kid I knew. And we would go out to the airport, the Girdwood Airport, uh, which was a dirt runway, about a mile long. And we'd start at one end of the runway. <laughs> and, and we would we'd drive out on the runway. We'd, and we'd floor it. And, you know, it's a diesel, right? So it takes forever. Is this an operating off. airport where planes went, landed, and, oh. and took off? Well, yeah, but, it, but it, it's one of those Alaska airports where if you're, if, you're, if you're a little airplane and you're flying into the airport, you look down... And you see if there's anybody around. <laughs> and it's really the, more like an off-ramp. <laughs> there, there's, a, uh, there's a frequency that you get on the radio and you say, uh, Girdwood traffic, this is Cessna 634 Mike Alpha or whatever. Uh, is there anyone in the, anyone around? <laughs> and then you take your hand off the microphone. If nobody says anything, then you're like, okay, it's all me. You don't expect to have an Audi 5000. <laughs> we didn't have a radio, obviously. Could we please get John Roderick off of the runway, please? We'd start at one end of the runway and we'd, we'd floor it. But, you know, it's a runway, right? So you have all the time in the world. And the, and the Audi, we'd get up to 115 miles an hour or however fast this thing could go. Whoa. And I would pull up the emergency brake. And we would spin and spin and spin. Because <laughs> you won't hit anything. No, you won't hit anything. You're out in the middle of this runway, you know, and it's, oh, and well, I, I mentioned it was covered with snow and ice, right? I mean, <laughs> in the middle of winter. So we would pull up but the But you didn't front, go over 30. <laughs> and this thing would just spin like a top, you know? Oh, my God. Uh, it was so great. I mean, obviously, at any second, we could have hit a divot or whatever and, and rolled it 30 times, but it never happened. And then I would drive uh, drive back and hand my dad the keys and be like, I learned a lot. I, I'm really getting it. I'm really getting it down. And he, like, never, he never caught on. Or did you think he, you think he really, did he know what you were up to? I mean, he, no. must, he knew you were trouble. He knew, yeah, he knew I was doing something, but I don't think anybody expects a 15-year-old to go drive his dad's car down a runway. I mean, it's, I don't think that was, that, that's the thing. That's the that's great thing about being a teenager. They never, <laughs> ever think. That you're doing what you're doing. They they can't they couldn't even conceive of it. My dad learned to drive in a Model A. You know, he, it's not. He, he it never it never occurred to him that I would be doing speed trials, uh, emergency brake speed trials. Um, even before even before you you did, uh, I guess you were deep in autodidacticism even before you realized it because you're doing. You ever seen like on cable TV they'll do those shows where they show how you can become like a, like a secret agent chauffeur? Like you get one of those heavily armored cars that's just super super heavy because you you need a special kind of chauffeur if you're going to have an armored you know right. a right. sedan. You have sure, to know how to have... get out. Like if drug dealers have surrounded you, how you get out? Well, that's why Diana, Prince of Wales, uh, Princess of Wales, died because her chauffeur was. A hack. Oh, and he was, wasn't he working uh, for the other side? He was like a double agent uh, chauffeur? Well, I don't know. That's what they say. He was definitely working for uh, Faid or or uh, whatever her boyfriend's name was. But, you know, he was drunk and he obviously didn't know how to drive his car because he crashed. It's like in project management, you know, pick one. Like you can be drunk or a double agent, you know, or one of those things, but you shouldn't do all of this. And those cars are, am I right though? They're extremely heavy because of the armoring. And yeah. I don't know if the glass makes it heavier, the special yeah, oh, glass. Yeah, they're very heavy, very, very heavy. So they don't Hard get good drive. mileage. They don't get good mileage. Hmm. But I did learn to recover my car. I, re- I learned to recover from almost any kind of spin. 
I mean, I've spun out a lot of cars, but, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I had learned to recover because I had done all this like heavy, uh, heavy, crazy out of control car work when I was young, but I, my dad did catch on to it later because that wasn't all I did to that car. Uh, he <laughs> caught on to it when the, when the car's expected lifespan of 350,000 miles or whatever was, was dramatically truncated. He was like, why is this car, why is this car falling apart? It's only got 60,000 miles on it. Also, as he had, he had to go to the Goodyear place every couple of weeks to replace the extremely <laughs> odd pattern on the tires. <laughs> the uh, front left and back right show a lot of wear on the outside edges, Mr. Roderick. Your, your anti-sway bars are bent beyond recognition. Can't, can't account for it. Audi makes pretty good cars, right? That's a German car. Audi does make good cars, and we we drove we drove Audis. Uh, my dad my dad picked Audis for many years. Uh, we had a succession of them, and they always were they they ran like tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but of course maintenance costs. What they right. now we no let's see my my I had a nineteen seventy VW bus which mm-hmm. had oh, you know what I had one too. What the in between ones between the two models before the Porsche engines. Yeah, it didn't have a Porsche. No, 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 well, no, 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 not not from like a nine eleven, but like, um, you know, but I had one that was between the pop up. It was uh-huh. one mine hinged, like did yours hinge at an angle, or did you have oh, a pop up? Ta- oh, you're talking about a camper. You had a yeah, camper. A camper. I kept. Oh. oh, sorry, you had like a like a like a van. I had a camper that was totally sweet. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was so, it was awesome. Sounds like a real uh, real love camper. Well, I mean, the back seat uh, turned into an extremely awkward bed, if that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and I learned from a Chris, my friend Chris, who had an even older, he had like a 1965 or 1966 bus. And uh, he said, you should always keep a, you know, there's like a little closet. You open the little doors, like a tiny little closet in there. Super cool. Yeah. He said, always keep a, uh, a pressed white shirt, preferably in the dry cleaning bag in there. Because huh. you will eventually have an appearance in court if you own a van, and so oh, this I, guy's a real—he's a real smooth operator. Oh God, Chris is one of the. I learned so much from Chris, and um, and so I learned to always keep an appearance in court shirt with me wherever I go. That's very smart. Yeah, because you, you, if you show up and you're wearing like a kind bud shirt, it's all like red and green, <laughs> right? You know, mustache ride fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, my, my bus uh, actually caught on fire in Sprague, Washington. Is that right? Were you not changing the oil? No, they're you know they're air cooled. That's my problem. I seized mine up because I wasn't changing the oil enough. No, I I, I changed the oil, but that, I think what it was that it actually had a cracked block, and I drove it for a long time, uh, just um, short distances. Mm-hmm. But I took it on a long road trip, and it caught on fire. That's that's the same that, that same Chris uh, guy who's just the best. We had a I had a what is it was a gasket a header gasket that, that yeah, yeah went. Header, one of those header gaskets. He came over to my house one day and he said this was going to happen. He said what we were going to do and I honestly thought it, it might as well have been like a brother's grim thing. I had no fucking idea how this was going to happen. He came over to my house with like two scissor jacks and a small toolbox. And a few hours later, we had taken out my engine and replaced the gasket. And oh it was God. the most magic. We just moved. You, you put the scissor jacks up, and then you just roll it a little bit, and you've taken the engine out of your car, and you're repairing your own. We had that book, that little cartoony book that, uh-huh. that everybody had, the v, that awesome VW. Yeah. You know, for not for dummies, but you know what I mean, that awesome, you know, cartoon book about how to fix your VW. I remember it well. And it worked. We did it. I mean, and you have to understand, for me, like, I don't know how to make chocolate milk. And, and right, like, this right. blew my mind. Guys like that, I have always loved and admired so much the ones that are like, oh, 
Oh, you, you you have a blown head gasket here. Let me come over and help you fix it. Oh, God, I wish I, I had, had that. I had a Fiat Spider for a long time, and a friend of mine came over and changed all the struts on it for me one afternoon. I didn't even put it on a jack, like, like set it up on a milk crate. Like, <laughs> great guy, and he ended up being um, he's like a physicist working for the Manhattan Project. I mean, I guess they the Manhattan Project's kind of been it's the Manhattan Project too. It's it's kind of been uh, been like sl- it's a little slower over there right. at Manhattan Project Central, but no, he's working for the for the government <clears throat> making nuclear bombs. So he's an engineer. He's a physicist. You shouldn't say. Don't say. Don't say. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you got to get clearances for that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, though: is in that well, moment, not anymore. Now that the, no? now, now that the Russians aren't uh, aren't aren't a big threat, uh, they, they, all the nuclear stuff's right out in the open. Here comes the Cold War. They and- have a they, they have a website now. Where they're like, here's what we're doing. Here's how we make the bombs. No worries. <laughs> you can just get a PDF. Yeah. Yeah. Get a PDF. I, but that experience uh, had had a big effect on me. First of all, it made me feel extremely uh, like like a, a penisless incompetent man. But it uh-huh. also it was so cool. I really get like car guys now because back then, before you get all the stuff like our VW now, our, we have an ancient 1996 VW, but still it's got got the thing where you plug in the thing and it tells you what's wrong with the car. Yeah. You know what I mean? But back right. then, it, I think it's kind of cool that especially with VWs, again, you know, there's some things you got to give the Germans credit for. And in that case, like having having a kind of engine, a, a true people's car, if you like, mm-hmm. where you could actually do that yourself was, was mm-hmm. really inspiring to me. Yeah, they, they're, they're about as complicated as a sewing machine or even less complicated than a sewing oh, machine. You ever sew? I have sewed. I did learn to sew. I, and I still, I still don't understand how sewing machines work. I hope work. somebody's going to start a wiki about how full of shit you are. No, no, no. I learned to sew, and here's you talking why. about darning, or are you talking about like making a suit? No, no, no. no, no. Well, I can't make a suit, okay. but I learned to sew because, uh, because I don't like to throw clothes away when they have a minor imperfection. And so uh, I used to bring my clothes to my mom when I was in high school and say, can you fix this? Uh, ripped jacket. Can you fix this pair of trashed jeans or whatever? And my mom ha- comes from that sort of depression era way of thinking, where it's like mm-hmm. uh, you can keep a you can keep a piece of clothing going only so long. But I, I believe she actually has a she carries a white pressed shirt everywhere she goes. Hmm. And at a certain point, she felt like these clothes were were reflecting poorly on the family. <laughs> like that I was out there wearing these patched I looked you know like a hobo which is what I was shooting for mm-hmm. but she was like no it's time to retire this garment a learned hobo uh, well, yeah right I looked like a, a man who had once held a high station in life <laughs> who had who was only 16 but had already fallen and then complaints had been lodged <laughs> and he was he was he he had moved from Oklahoma to the Central Valley of California <laughs> and he was just looking for work because uh, you saw an ad that there were grape farms. Yeah, I saw I saw a guy came through our town on mm-hmm. the back of a flatbed truck, and he said, "Out of work, come to California, land of prosperity." Mm-hmm. So my mom says, "I'm not sewing your clothes anymore. Your clothes look ridiculous. You look ridiculous. You, you should get rid of them. You have plenty of, I mean, you, you have new clothes. You have all these other clothes." And I said, "I, I was offended by this uh, that she wouldn't patch my my coats." And she said, you know what, smart guy? Learn to sew. And hmm. she she sat me down in front of her sewing machine, and she taught me how it worked. And for a long time, so of course, I went to the fabric store immediately, and I bought um, reams and reams of fake fur. 
pink leopard spi- stripe uh, taffeta and uh, <laughs> like yellow corduroy. Aren't with the, green those anchors. are hard. I mean, it's hard enough to just take a, a piece of like cotton fabric off a bolt and, and get it to run run a straight line. You you were t- working with some very challenging textiles. I really was, and and my idea was <laughs> you oh, wanted you to know, look like a retarded bath <laughs> mat. <laughs> you know what I want, what I ended up looking like was a freaking juggalo, but it was before they'd even been invented. <laughs> I would take the seams out of the sides of my jeans and I would insert like two inches of fake fur on either side. <laughs> you sound like a developmentally disabled pimp. I was, I was so, I was so hundred for the night. Bong tick a bow. Oh my god! And did you? And and you were sober when you would sew. Oh yeah, I mean, I was still a teenager. I, 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 I yeah, drunk okay. sewing. Drunk sewing hadn't really taken off. That's big in Brooklyn now, you know. <laughs> Drunk sewing. Drunk yeah. sewing, yeah. But no, I created all these what I thought were like outrageously cool outfits um that were just stupid. It was just a it was just a it was just it kept me off the streets though. For <laughs> was it like was it like a, like a jacket you could put on or was it like were you limited to tunics? Don't you start with a tunic? <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't fabricate an entire garment from scratch, mm-hmm. but I would take old garments and modify them to be uh to be fancy uh fancy oh i see yeah. it's more like a really like a craft project yeah i would fancy them right. up i would i would uh you weren't yeah. buying old butterick patterns or anything no no no, okay. no i would go to the thrift stores and i would buy stuff and then i would <laughs> add fake fur or leopard spots <laughs> oh, or, or or pink tiger stripes or you know, like for a while there, I was really into the whole Graham Parsons like fringe jacket oh, thing. Yes, 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 yes. But I didn't want a fringe leather jacket. What I wanted was a suit, but that had fringe, <laughs> and not not like a not like a cowboy suit, not like a nudie like suit. Like if Roger proper, Daltrey were a district attorney. Yeah, like a proper three button Brooks mm-hmm. Brothers suit, except with with fringe. Like magic. on the arms, on the arms, and on the <laughs> pants, and on the yeah, everywhere you could put it. <laughs> Unfortunately, this Do you have any sketches of that? <laughs> I don't. There, there are some pictures floating around. I think my junior prom tuxedo had uh, had pink tiger stripe lapels. Oh come on! Yeah, well, I'm. Did you find... wear Converse? Uh, I no, I had. Uh... I had, I, I'm, I'm, I, had clown, I had nice clown shoes like Oxford's. So. No, I, I had a, I had, I had wingtips. I'm not a, I'm not a jerk. <laughs> You're not an animal. <laughs> I'm not a fucking animal. I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but I have a friend who I believe listens to the program. Who, whose name is uh, Bridget, and she is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. She, she does amazing, like 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 needlework and all kinds of different crafty stuff. I'm just saying, as someone who listens to the show, I'm saying you might be able to cross her palm and walk mm-hmm. away with some pretty fucking amazing i'm saying like some bespoke fucked up outfits i don't know lots of people i have lots of friends who sew and i'm just saying john if you want to crowdsource this you might be able to get some extremely disturbing clothes that actually fit you well i have always said if i if i came into a a truly like awesome amount of money (laughs) if super train works out the way you hope if super train works out and i have the and i have cash to burn the first thing i would do is have my clothes tailored Oh, you know, God, I before I did that. anything else, before I bought a fancy car, before I went on a trip, I would go somewhere and I would have my measurements taken and I would have people start making me clothes. Because clothes, real clothes that come from from the rack, just do not you fit. You shouldn't even call those real clothes. 
They're not even close. My friend Buzz did this. Um, <clears throat> Buzz was in uh, uh, London and went to like, I don't even know how you say it, Saville, Saville Road or whatever. Saville Row. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, God. I got every aspect of that wrong. He went to Tom Sawyer Island. Anyway, <laughs> so so much for me trying to sound smart. Anyway, he went to the Cuddy Up Closey District. Yeah, right. And he went in there. And Buzz, who I don't think would mind me saying, is like myself, is 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 a is a a not tall man. Mm-hmm. So, like in my case, like for example, I mean, just in terms of you know being simpatico here, like I don't know. I, right now, I'm like a 34, 32 in jeans, mm-hmm. which is like sometimes weirdly hard to find. I feel like it must have a very odd body shape. So even when I find clothes, they still fit weird. And that's, yeah. that's hard for Buzz. I have another friend. I have another friend. She actually used to be a reporter at a NPR who's like under five feet tall. And like the only clothes she could find is like children's clothes. It's ridiculous. Right. So in this case, Buzz. Although I like the sound of that. Yeah. Yeah. She did uh, worked on uh, Science Friday. She uh, so in Buzz's case, so he's in London. He goes to uh, Civile Road today, Civile uh, uh, Civile Rodeo, Rodeo Drive, and he uh, and he went in there and he got what is called a bespoke suit. He fucking went yes. in there and like a guy yes. made him a suit, and it was impeccable. Like Charlie Watts does. Does he do that? Charlie Watts wears these amazing suits. I, that I'd love to meet that Civilia, guy. Civilia, Civilia. Rodeo Drive. I think he dislikes the Rolling Stones as much as me, and we could. He does. And I, I mean, I don't know as much about jazz, and I don't swing, but you know, he can swing. You know how hard he can swing. Yeah, the He's, door is closed on jazz, but he does hate the Rolling Stones. You're saying he doesn't like jazz anymore? No, I think he likes jazz. I'm saying the door is closed on jazz. New jazz or old jazz? Yeah, uh, jazz is jazz is like. Jazz has become like rockabilly. Oh, right? God. If, if you are, if you're making rockabilly, I don't think I don't think Charlie Watt is sitting around in a suit listening to fucking rockabilly. I don't think he's if, sitting around like listening to Pat Metheny. He may, if you if you make rockabilly, you're not going to make a rockabilly song. How about, did this go about, from suits to rockabilly via dragons. Charlie Watt so quickly? Am I right? Am I right? You're not going to make a rockabilly song about dragons. Right, the door is closed on rockabilly. If you're going to make because a you're song, saying it's like it's a Turing, about, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a D and D Turing test. If you can't write a song about dragons, the genre is dead. No, no, not dead. I'm saying it's closed. Oh, door is like closed. for instance, for instance, heavy metal. The okay. door is also closed because you have to write songs about dragons. <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm so lost at this. Point. There are no new vistas. There are no new vistas. How in did rock- dragons become the metric? You go back. Well. Can you write a song about dragons and rockabilly? No. You have to write are, are you, a song challenging, about are you challenging me literally right now to write a rockabilly song about dragons? <laughs> no, is, I, will, I will literally do it right now. This is my internet challenge. Don't do it right, right this second. You sure? But Hang on. Go ahead. Keep my talking. Inter- my internet challenge is rockabilly song about dragons. Go. Okay. It can't be done. Are you sure? I am pretty sure it's not, not going to be rockabilly. Do it. Well, you thought that it had faced its death, but now you're going to feel that dragon's breath. That's pretty close, right? Uh, that's pretty That's pretty hot, actually. Well, well Eddie Cochran but, does not get know, the credit he deserves. Eddie, fucking Eddie Cochran. You know what that is that you, Eddie just, Cochran. you just wrote? That is a parody song. That, is, that, would not oh, be God. that would not be accepted in the rockabilly canon. All right. Okay, Umberto Echo, moving on. He, they measured every fucking part of his body, cock and balls, arms and eyes. Every part of Buzz got measured by an English man. Right. It took a while, okay? This I is not FedEx. Did. This is not FedEx. This is fucking English people, like Charlie Watts, 
who right? does not listen to music about dragons, to our knowledge. <laughs> um, and, and anyway, uh, and he it, got a nice suit. You a, should do it. It's expensive. It's it let me say this. It's costs. Right? Uh, you know. You know. As you know, John, I like to distinguish. I'm, I'm going to say this for the record because I think people wonder when I speak to my kids. I distinguish between costly and expensive. Hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm a word guy, and I distinguish mm-hmm. between between cheap and inexpensive. Aha! Uh-huh. I think the suit that you buy at Marshalls, blankets and pillows notwithstanding, I think the suit you buy at Marshalls is inexpensive and cheap. Right. Right. I think there's a chance the suit you buy on Savile Rodi, oh, it could be very expensive. It's certainly going to be costly, but it right. doesn't have to be expensive. And can I tell you why? Because unless you gain a large, large, large amount of weight, that's going to last you. It's like the suit. Uh, it's like the uh, like the uh, like the Polish invasion suit you got, right? The, the yeah, English the guy. Polish, yeah, the Polish invasion. Suit. <laughs> you know, a lot of that music is pretty amazing. Do you remember that? Do you remember the Polish invasion? Sure, I love the Polish invasion. That, oh, that, God. Was, that, that sparked that whole uh, that whole Polish sound. Remember that chick sent me how I did uh, invade me do. It was amazing. Um, so anyway, there, there's a company in Oregon yeah, okay. that makes uh, that makes lumberjack boots for lumberjacks. Okay, and uh, uh, you can find them online by googling the Big Black Boot Company. Uh, that's not the name of the company, though. It's called um, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, we need a gayer name. No, no, it's 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 a it's a proper company, okay. and they have a proper name. Got it. <clears throat> but they make these boots, these lumberjack boots. Four lumberjacks, and these are guys who like, you know, their boot and their chainsaw—that's basically their whole kit, right? I mean, right. You, you you wear a, you wear a denim jacket, but it's your boots and your chainsaw that 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 really—that's all you need to spend money on. Oh, is, so it, these, is it? Is it? Is it? Is, it's it, Westco. It's called Westco. Oh, because I just found boot.com. Well, yeah, the Westco. Existed before boot.com. Okay. If you go big black boots and then look for Wesco, W E S C O. Anyway, so they make these lumberjack boots, and the lumberjack boots are more than $500. Right. <clears throat> but I really, really, oh. really want a pair. Oh, these look nice. They got really nice sewing machines, too. And they make them to your foot. You, you, you go down and you, you show them your foot, and they make the boot to you. Uh, and so, so I've done an un, like an unscientific poll of everybody I know mm-hmm. uh, for the last couple of years because this is a large investment to to buy these boots. And I've gone to everybody and I've said, "What's the most you've ever paid for shoes?" And uh, my female respondents have uh, have said, you know, anywhere between two hundred and sometimes four or five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. But I have never met a guy who's paid more than about $150 for his shoes. For the most expensive who's, who's straight. Who's straight, right. That's true. I have not asked that many fancy men how much they've paid for their shoes. <laughs> I see expensive men's shoes online, but I don't, I don't live in that world so much. Uh-huh. The $1,200 shoes. I know there are some men in Texas who pay $2,500 for their cowboy boots. But anyway... I have been teetering on the fence of buying these Westco boots for like five years, but I have, I haven't been able to pull the trigger because it's just, I know that what you're talking about, they are, they are, uh, they are expensive, but what was the other word? Also, costly. They're costly, but they are also value 
added? I don't, I'm not sure. Well, I, I mean, I, as, I as, assuming again, I, and I, I just think this is something, there's a, a big asterisk here. Well, They're two so asterisks. Well, yeah. N- well, like number two, you don't want to lose them because if you lose them, you'd be bumped, right? If you accidentally leave them in a hotel room. But number one, what if you, God forbid, be- become heavy and start retaining water? Because then you can I think get fat. Yeah, yeah, but no, but I, I think that'd be great. And that's Let the thing, though. Let me ask you: When yeah. was the last time you left a pair of boots in a hotel room? Oh, God, what time is it? <laughs> I mean, do you like run, go running out of hotels in your socks a lot? And like, oh, what did I forget? This is how I, I can tell you don't. This is how I can tell you don't really have a child. Because I uh, I forget everything everywhere now because oh. I'm I'm trying to gather up. There's a, there's I'm not a mathematician as you know, John, but yeah. I think there's a mess to clean up ratio of two to one, at least when you have a child. By the time you've cleaned up one mess, two more have been created. And that, that works in restaurants, that works in hotels, that works anywhere. You're always behind and behind her. And right. so I'm like, I'm scurrying to make sure I've got my wallet, like let alone, you know, a stuffy toy and, and some uh, lumberjack boots. So that, no, that's just my thinking is I, I would I think about that. But no, I, I, you, you're mindful. You answered your own question. You're not a man who leaves lumberjack boots in a hotel room. So I don't think that's a concern. Well, the thing is, if I wear a pair of lumberjack boots into a hotel room, I'm going to be wearing them out of that hotel room. You know, you what might I mean? keep like them I, on the whole time and not lay on the bed. I don't. I don't like bring them along and and. Are, are you somebody who unpacks his suitcase and puts all the stuff in the drawers? How many days in a hotel room? How many days? Four days. You bet. You're going to unpack. Otherwise, I'm going to be like an animal living out of a suitcase. That's not right. For four days. For well, it, John, it's not complicated. I'm, I'm not. You're implying that I carry a lot of clothes, which I do. But what I do is. <laughs> I, I'll use the top drawer. The bottom drawer is for all the marketing materials. Everything in the room that has a logo on it goes in the bottom drawer. And then the top drawer is for uh, underpants and socks. So when you roll into a hotel room, you really like... You I, do really, a full I, I spread glove. out. Yes. I, I come on everything and I unwrap the soap and I really get in there. I get very comfortable. I roll around on all the towels. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I, I sometimes I find it... I find uh, that I am uh, staying in very expensive hotels mm-hmm. because uh, very uh, various times... Uh, people fly me places to do things, mm-hmm. and uh, and they think that I am a fancy person, right. and so they're like, "Oh, we they could give put you half up. a tent, and you'd be fine." Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Oh shit, we'd better put him up in this really fancy hotel." So I I go into this hotel, and everybody else in the hotel is clearly conscious of themselves as being fancy people, and they don't like me even being in the lobby. Like they can see me walk in, and they're like, "Hmm, I see. He's got a he he's acting." Like he belongs here, and that makes it even worse. Hmm. But I go upstairs, and I'm staying in this fancy hotel, and I'm living out of my suitcase. I don't unpack. I just dig in my little bag to get my shirt that I'm going to wear that day, which is all wrinkly. Mm-hmm. And 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 every once in a while, I look around and I go, "Hmm, I, sh- I maybe I should have unpacked." I I can already tell why you don't. You don't even know. I maybe you're not saying. And we'll cut this out if this is too much. But here's the thing. I'm just going to say, I I can see you being a man who's very suspicious of drawers for any number of reasons. I think one of the things is you need to be ready to run. You don't know what's going to – I'm not talking about fucking fires. I'm not talking – I'm talking about like when shit goes down, you do not want to have to be opening – let's be honest, probably a pretty filthy drawer to gather your clothes and put them in a bag. You got your shoes on. Right, you, right. You've already, you sleep in your shoes. I could see you walk. I could see you sleeping in your shoes. I could see you walking in, looking at the back of the door for where the map is for how to get out, and mm-hmm. going and making sure that it's accurate, correct, and up to date. All the doors <laughs> open out. Yes, mm-hmm. I could see you having a, literally a suitcase by the door, ready to run, or maybe you know what, maybe by the balcony in case you have to jump five stories. So you don't want your doors opening out. That's the you law, John. Did you, oh, you ever heard about the Who concert? Who concert? You got a door so it got to open out now. 
Well, okay, your your no, exit. you know what you're right. Hinges on the outside, right? Is that why Hinge, the door, doors have to open in? Because if they open out, you could block it from the outside. You know what? I take it all back. You're right. In public places, doors have to open out. Hotel room, for obvious reasons, you don't want the hinges on the outside. Is that what you're thinking? Well, neither the hinges on the outside nor do you want it to open out. This oh. is a thing you learn in Alaska because when it snows uh, oh, six feet in right, the middle of the night. Right, right, right. If your door opened out, you'd be really in trouble. If it opens in, you can open it in, and then you dig a tunnel. Also, a gumshoe could stick a chair into the doorknob. Exactly, and then you'd be... You're stuck. You, yeah. You'd now be, you're fucking damsel in distress in $500 boots. That's not you're, fun. You're held, you're held uh, prison in your room by a gumshoe. Oh, shit. Usually see, what I do, if, if I need to get out of a hotel room fast, I mm-hmm. throw the bag out the window, and then <laughs> I take the stairs. Oh. And, uh, and then the bag is yes. like... I go out the exit door. The bag's right there. Because you know what? In the ensuing mayhem is all those all those people who who they're running around in their underwear with nothing. Just yeah. thinking, huh, I'm confused. They're carrying hotel in their ice. night shirts. In their night shirts. Last thing they're going to do is grab a musician's bag. You you know exactly where to go. You've worked it out in your mind. I could see you practicing the night before. Well, you're always practicing. Every time you go in and out of the room, you're looking. You know. Do, yes. Do you stick Do you stick a matchstick in your hotel door to see if anybody's been in there? I've done it. I don't know why you wouldn't. Oh, you know what? I oh, I got an even bigger system than that. I got a, I got a dense system. Oh, mm-hmm. Which system? Just I got a, I got a system. Tell I, me the system. You want to know the system? Yeah. This is an old uh, old trick. What's the trick? There's a trick and a meta trick. You could take a little piece of a uh, you know whatever in the old days it would be a matchbook could be a, let's say an index card. Right. right. Whatever you have at hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an uh, and you uh, you know you stick that in the door as you're walking out. Yeah. Right. But you can also you can do vari- variations on that. Right. You, you Was it do- visible from outside? No, but here's the thing. Are you ready? I should not reveal this. Okay, here's the thing. How about you do this? Yeah. How about instead of actually putting it in the door, you put it on the floor, and then you know what happens? What? <gasps> the guy thinks it was in the door. And moves it and has and to put it back. it back. Oh. You know what I'm saying? And then when it's fallen, when you walk in, you see that it's in a different, more plausible place, and you can see if somebody's been in your room. Wow. I shouldn't have said you, anything. That's that's super spy. Yeah. Now I'm not going to know what to do. When well, I'm at your house, I'm going to be like... Is right. that is that just a piece of lint on the floor? They asked the guy why he robs Berlin, banks. Like, they asked the guy why. <laughs> they asked the guy why he robs banks. He says that's where the money is. You yeah. want to do good in sales? Excuse me, do well in sales. Yeah. You don't think like a salesman. You think like somebody who buys your shit. And in this case, people think too much like somebody scared in a hotel room, and not like the kind of person who wants to get in a fucking hotel room. Right. Exactly. So this is where you take it and turn it. And again, I'm saying too much. I know you know all of this. You, you've probably written books about this that you won't release. But I'm just telling you, there are things that you can do. There are things you can do. You know what I? Well, I don't want to say what I do. No, I do. I do lots of things like this. I'll do things like I'll do things like leave uh, leave a hundred dollars uh, just inside of a door. So if somebody comes in, you're crackhead. What do you do? You break in. What do you do? You don't have to make it a twenty. Doesn't matter. You put bills just out of sight of the door where you couldn't look in and see it. They come mm-hmm. in to rob you. What do they see? They see the bill. You know what they do? What? They grab it and run. Hmm. You're a crackhead. You just got 20 bucks. You're going to run, right? Prisoner's well, dilemma. <clears throat> speaking speaking uh, not as a former crackhead, but as someone who associated with well, many crackheads. You're pretty close. You know, a lot of them uh, are going to see that and they're going to say, well, if, there's, if there's one 20. If you got that much ambition, you got no business being a crackhead. <laughs> so here's what you do. You put one 20 there. You yeah. put another 20 a little right. further away. And right. the third 20 is armed. The third 20 is in a rat trap. It's attached to a dynamite cap, and you blow the fucking crackhead's hand off. How do you like that, Smokey? 
I like that. There's glass everywhere because you know they like their glass they smoke in, or they, or, or for that matter, their uh, their Coke mirror. They might be carrying a Coke mirror. I bet they are. It's an <laughs> Can old you get a portable? Can you get like a portable, like He's a Tom got, Bin Coke no, mirror? No, no, it's not a portable one. It's a full size one. He's got it strapped to his back. <laughs> it folds out. <laughs> it says it says Nazareth on it. <laughs> He carries it ah, now you're messing with it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. A vuvuzavela is a large horn. And if you've been to a carnival, you'll know what this is. It's yeah. a piece of shitty plastic that's like really long, right? It's yeah. a long, horny thing. And right. then there's what they, I believe they call it a bell. Is that right? right. You call the flared yeah. part at the yeah, end a bell. bell. And oh. so if you're a little kid and you're a dumbass, you try and win that milk bottle game you can't win, whatever. You get the thing and then you put it up to your mouth and you go like this. That's exactly the sound, yes. That was accomplishing a paper towel roll. Um, So what are you doing? What are you doing when you do that? I know you're ahead of me on this, but this is the problem with these South American people. You Do you hear what I just did? Yeah, yeah. I'm making a noise with my mouth that is causing my lips to vibrate inside of the tube and make a sound. But can you guess what's coming out of my fucking lips? Spit them. Tons and tons of spit. You get... Spit them. You... Sputum. You get literally thousands of right? part- particles of, of bacteria. If you get spit. thousands of, of South Americans vuvuzelaing at the same time. You could not create, you know what? Fucking Hitler could not come up with a better way to spread disease quicker. It's like a spit fountain. It's like a it's like a crowdsourced. It's it's spit like fountain. it's like it's like a hundred thousand spit fountains all pointed at each other. Well, you know what but I'm I mean, like you take it all together yeah. and it's a tremendous installation. You have a whole stadium that's that's making this mist, oh. this spit mist. It's an it's aerated like a, salivary uh, a goulash. It's yeah, just, it's, it's everywhere. It's fantastic. Maybe that's what sports is really about. Maybe it's just some kind of like aeration, spit it aeration. Sounds like a test. But then what do you do? You're blowing your vuvuzela, your little, uh, you're, you're drinking whatever, uh, you know, uh, South American people drink for beer. You inhale between blows. Hmm. And uh, and then you uh, you're breathing in all the other people's vuvuzelian. Uh, oh right, see? that's it. That's it. And then well, you put the index cards somewhere they didn't expect. Here's the thing about here's the thing about uh, <laughs> soccer playing countries. <laughs> countries that like to play soccer, and I'm including all of Europe and South America and uh, Asia, and uh, basically everywhere. What about the Romania? They play it there. Oh, they love it there. The, the Balkans, they play soccer. Oh, they play the shit out of soccer there. Okay. And here's the thing that goes hand in hand with soccer, and that is fairs. Oh. Am I oh right? Oh, my Traveling God. fairs. You just blew my mind. They soccer. love fairs. Simple people love fairs. Love fairs. You never see Stephen Hawking at a fair. It's like a lot of mud. In this right. case, you're saying you could go and get a Vuvuzela or a Nazareth Coke mirror at all of these places. It's just a question of what you bring to the game. You get dream catchers. Mm-hmm. You get magic tricks made out of match boxes. Fe- feathered roach clip. Get feathered roach clip. Uh, uh, did I say dream catchers already? Uh, you can get dream catchers. Dream catchers. Um, you can I think dream get... catchers don't work. Is that right? Have you ever tried one? Well, I think it's a, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think if you get a dream catcher, things already aren't working out. But wait a minute, if it's self-fulfilling, if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, that doesn't mean it doesn't work. Well, if, it, I, if you think it catches I've done your a little dreams, scholarship on this. It's technically considered the Native American version of a lottery. You, you, get, you get a what? dream catcher and then you wait. You might as well just oh. hang a tennis racket from your mirror. You get a dream catcher and you wait and maybe it catches a dream? I don't know. What are the odds? What's the payout this Tuesday? <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I have a baby rattle that's made out of a Gila monster spleen. <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> and, uh, do you and let your that, daughter use it? I do. She uses it all the time. But I keep, I keep 
like worrying that maybe she's going to get the right combination of rattles and uh, and and like gibberish, and she's going to conjure a great spirit of some kind. Oh, you should have that thing demagicized. I said, "Turn." How? What would you call it if you wanted to remove the magic from something? What would you call it? Marriage? How do you do that? How do you get the How do you get the magic out of something? How, how, yeah, have you verified? Yeah, you that, have, you, have you verified that it's a spleen? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe it's a maybe it's a. It's bladder. an organ. It's definitely some kind of organ from some Gila kind of Monster. Gila Monster organ, or, uh, bladder, or a spleen. Did you get that at a roadside attraction, or is that something you get from like a science, like a scientific American kind of place? Like, where do you find a Gila Monster? Uh, yeah, well, you have to go on a vision quest. You have to go on a spirit journey. Walk with the wolves. Yeah, and uh, then when you're there, uh, it's it, it's part of that. They award it to you when you you know when you become a brave. Oh, like when they give you that aluminum foil blanket after a marathon. Yeah, now, right. Do you have a sense of what's causing the rattling to happen? Is it something? Would you be able to take that apart with a manual? No, because it's stitched together with Gila Monster uh, leather strap does that worry so, you does that worry you at all uh, it might be eyeballs it might be uh, you know may, it might be peyote buttons for that matter i don't huh. know maybe i should open it up in case of emergency right but she she, she uh, uh my little uh, my little girl seems to seems to you know she's she's not my mom told me the other day she was like you know when you were a little kid you saw things and i'm like what do you mean she said you were always coming into my room and telling me there was somebody in your room <laughs> There was a man in your like room. Alexander Hamilton, or <laughs> and I was like, like Alexander Hamilton. That's exactly the question I asked, and she was like, "No, no, but you were always scared, uh, and you would come into my room late at night and say that there was that you saw somebody uh, in the house, or that there were, you, you you saw somebody in the yard, or you know you were seeing people all the time." And I was like, "Hmm, interesting that you never told me this before, but I I, I have not yet noticed that uh, my little girl has this power." But I do feel like her uh, her working of this Gila Monster rattle, uh, it, it it doesn't bode well. I'm, I'm afraid that it, one of these days I'm going to open my door and there's going to be a guy in a feathered headdress with a loincloth standing there, bone through his nose. Holding cigars. <laughs> you know, John, I got to tell you, you know, they say this, this is true for uh, breast cancer and basketball and all of those things. It's genetics, right? It, mm. you, you, you can't, you can't, you got to be tall and uh, have that gene, right? Not for breast cancer, but you know, I'm just saying in this Could case, be a basketball player. you know, can I just say your mom, she's a very, she's a very sober, even person. Does she still mm. listen to the show? I have no idea. Okay, probably not. <laughs> um, we never fixed her bug. The, the, the thing is, though, that's in the genes. Now, I don't know if that comes from your dad's side or your mom's side, but there's something in you. I don't think you just start seeing shit in your room for no reason. I'm oh, saying, you want to know the scariest thing that ever happened to me with my mom? I was out in my out in the yard. I was probably seven, eight years old. You know, I was born on Friday the thirteenth. I did not know that. Born on Friday the thirteenth. So when I was a little kid, I thought that that gave me some warlock powers. Um, and so I was out playing with some kids, and I was like. All right, you know, sure, you guys have Tommy guns or whatever, but I'm going to cast a spell of holding on you, or I'm going to, you know, this is before Dungeons and Dragons was even invented, but I, I was, you know, I was casting some warlock spells or whatever, and my mom was walking through the yard, and she kind of, you know, caught a, perked up her ears and caught a glimpse of me, like, doing some incantation uh, over my friends, because I was born on Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. and she marched over grabbed me by the shirt front lifted me off the ground pulled me very close to her face and said do not mess with things you don't understand your mom yeah and put me back down on the ground and walked away she's the most rational person i've ever met (laughs) and she 
shit, and, and it chilled me to the <sighs> bone. It still chills me when I think about it because I have spent my whole life waiting for her possibly to reveal to me something. Okay, we're cutting, we're cutting, <laughs> we're cutting all of this out because given that she is the most rational person that either of us have ever met, she had a fucking reason to put you in her face. I have no she, idea. She knew that you were sticking a fork into into Satan's uh, light, 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 light plug. She yep. obviously she knew something was up. She knew, maybe it's like a bewitch type situation where she knew, you know, like uh, there's a doctor doctor Bombay in the family or something. I've been I've been wondering my whole life. I keep waiting for her to initiate me into the circle. How do the you think? Circle. How do you think? And it sounds like did you uh, if I could say it, and if you can say, have you stopped having those visions? I mean, apart from the aliens and your French doors, have you well, stopped seeing men in your room? I mean, all my pillows turned to owls fairly recently. Is that from, I mean, Ro- that they're from Ross? They're from Ross. That happens to everybody. Uh, they're an assortment of pillows so from while, various while you're, places. While you're using them? But they were, well, yeah, I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I looked around and all my pillows were owls. I'm sure I told you about this. You ab- Can I tell you about you this? absolutely did not. <laughs> I looked around, all my pillows were owls. Like big owls? And, well, pillow sized. But not like snow, not like snow owls. Snow owls. Like, like pretty big. Well, yeah, like snow owls that were even bigger than snow owls. They were the size of pillows. Horned owls. Oh, yes. White owls. Horned owls. Oh, oh, God. Like the cigars, like those little cheap cigars, like a they white face. They were pillows, but <gasps> they were owls. They had beaks? Yes, they were, the, they were my pillows. And I have a lot of pillows. I have, yeah. I have eight pillows in my room or whatever. Hmm. And they were all owls. And they were all watching me. Oh, my God. Over, they were watching over me. And uh, so I shook off the sleep until I was awake. I was sure I was awake. I was very conscious, like, okay wake up and i was awake and they were still owls oh come on and they were just on their side <laughs> well they were all arrayed in various ways some of them were were sitting up on their little owl butts and some of them were on the floor that's chilling john that corner. is fucking well, chilling and, and they were <laughs> and so i i i i i did not feel good about it but they did not they weren't hostile mm-hmm. they were just sentries and so I, I, I resigned that this was going to be fine, and I grabbed the nearest owl and nestled up with it and went back to sleep. Could, could they, um, they sound like you say they're sentries, they're looking over you. <clears throat> Do you, uh, they didn't speak to you per no. se. No, 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 owls can't talk, dummy. <laughs> Sorry. But you had the sense that they weren't they were they were there for a reason. Yes. Oh absolutely. Is owls, it a harbinger? That many owls aren't just gonna like turn up someplace without a reason. Right. Not not without like a Facebook thing. And, yeah, right. and they it's, can it's, see it's, so well in the dark. Do you sleep in a very dark room? Do you do you leave a light on? Uh it's dark. It's I dark. like a dark room too. And so with those giant owl eyes, they could see you just fine. Like if yeah. you were a grub or something, they they could see you. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean they they had there was a project. They had a project. Okay. Some kind of owl project. I'm not sure what it was. It was not. I wasn't privy to it. I did not feel that they were there to harm me, but I also did not. They didn't give me a warm, fuzzy feeling either. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did know, they, they didn't tell you to do anything. <laughs> no, they just were there, and they were. You know, when I woke up, they all, of course, were looking at me. And they kept kept looking at me until I grabbed the nearest one and went back to sleep. Uh, so I don't. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Oh, 
it's, it certainly seems like the kind of thing that in the fullness of time you would want to make something of. Or well, now if it happens again, I, if you can if it say... it again, I'm definitely... Are you going to say I'm, something? I'm definitely going to ask some serious questions. Were they silent? I mean, was there like a rough... Yeah, of course a rough, they were Okay, well, I don't know. They, they have fucking wings and talons. It might have been a clacky talon noise or a... And it sounds to me like they were uh, rubbing up against each other a little bit. Were they very I still? There was some shuffling from side to side. Did they blink? Uh, no, there were no. Oh, I, I, found, I find owl blinking so creepy. Yeah. No, I didn't get a lot of blinking out of it. I mean, it was, admittedly, it was a short lived, mm-hmm. you know, it was, a, it was only a minute or two. And, you know, I, I, just long enough to, you know how that is when you mm-hmm. wake up in the middle oh, of the night. I totally like, know. Okay, I'm awake now. I'm awake. I saw Abraham Lincoln in my room when I was a kid. Really? Well, I, I, I see Abraham Lincoln everywhere. He's our 16th president. Yeah, yeah. Did you talk so, to your mom about this at all? He's on the penny. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I've I, after after that uh, that one time the uh, the warlock time. Right. I, I, I don't cover supernatural topics with my mom. Right. Uh, because uh, it'd be like walking in and seeing your your dad dressed as Ethel Merman. Like it would have an effect, but then it's not not the kind of thing you'd be bringing up a lot. Yeah, yeah. I and maybe it's my mistake. Maybe I've never I've never gone to her and said. Will you initiate me into our family coven? I think, John, I, I don't... I've been I, waiting for you to ask. I, this might be an Aleister, Aleister Crowley thing. I, I think you'll know if and when it's time, just as with your daughter. You know what I'm saying? If that, oh, right. if, if that rattle starts making things happen, you know what I mean? You're going to know. You're going to know. You're going you're to feel it in the sense if you have this in your uh, midichlorians as much as I think you might, you are going to know when it's time. You're going to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I dated a girl once. Uh, who one time was trying to really, she was really mad and she was really trying to put me in my place. And she got up in my face and she said, you know what? You think you're a white wizard, but you're not one. You're a gray wizard. And, you know, I have to say I was flattered that she thought I was a gray wizard. But she was, she was obviously, she was obviously, I think, seeing something mm-hmm. some some white wizard potential in me that uh that i hadn't is, realized is that gray gray as in, as in uh, wizened or, or gray as in like chaotic neutral um well i think gray as in uh yeah like you you have not yet been purified by fighting a balrog down to the center of the earth <laughs> You're gonna need lumberjack boots for that. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I need, totally do. I'm gonna. I'm. I need to do some more training. Uh, in in anticipation of ever encountering a Balrog in the in or dwarf mines. But I think that's what she was getting at. She John, was like, John, are you a man who's not? You're not afraid of a vision quest, right? You'll 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 do a vision quest. No, I've been on a few. Right. Oh, well, you know, you you mentioned in an earlier visit that uh, well. One plan you had to, to I think you were going to go to, uh, was it uh, Tierra del Fuego with, with your daughter? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We we're going to buy buy a, whatever Jeep, the best Jeep we could buy for 2000 bucks, Yeah. And just start going. F- fix it as needed. Start going south to Tierra del Fuego. Meet an heiress. And uh, meet an heiress somewhere okay. down on the Pampas. I, I, but, I, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. But, you know, I figure that's as good as junior high for for, oh, God. for a girl. Am I right? Yeah. There's a couple of years there when you send your kids to junior high that's absolutely worthless. Nothing happens. If you bring along a 30th special cassette and make her just make her feel bad a couple times a week, I think you get three years credit. 
But here's my question. Here's Hold my question on, to you, John. Is, if the carnival, <laughs> I was at a, a dance uh, in eighth grade, and by dance I mean the guys stand on one side, the girls stand on the other, and sure, everyone's and they were nervous. Playing Whip it by Devo, and another one bites the dust. No, like, no, but you know what? Your timing is precisely. You, you know the era uh, because we're both part of the uh, you know Super Train generation. But here's right. the thing: there was a cover band there. I know I told you this, but uh, it, was, it was a cover band. They brought a cover band, the local band. And uh, <laughs> no, they, they did not play Steve Miller, but they they uh, you know what they did uh, toward the beginning and toward the end they played Hold On Loosely twice. Oh, because it's a it's, it's a hit. It's very fun to play. Here's the question: If a carnival comes to town, right, and you and you continue having this sense in your in your gray wizard heart, you know that there's something going on with that kid of yours. Mm-hmm. Do you think you would go to a carnival with her? Because it seems to me you go to a carnival, there are many opportunities to tease some of this out. You go into a dark fun house and see if there's owls. Maybe right. you finally win the fucking milk bottle game and get a vuvuzid Layla. Well, or maybe we put a quarter in an unplugged tell your fortune machine, yeah, which comes to life. And grants her one wish. <laughs> grants me one wish. As with if wishes, it grants her a wish, I'm taking it. You, you, oh, you're going to claim her wish? Well, if I can. I don't know. Some supernatural stuff works. You might have to fight each other with force lightning like in a Roger Corman movie. <laughs> you there could be Corman? only one! <laughs> <laughs> I remember a movie. I barely remember it. But I think it was either The Raven or The Pit and the Pendulum. And, and it had like nothing to do with the books. But I do remember one scene where... I know it was Peter Lorre, and I think, maybe not Christopher Lee, but it was, it was oh, it was Vincent Price, I think, and Peter Lorre, yes. like, having a magic showdown <laughs> on, like, a $5,000 budget. Darkness it, falls across the land. <laughs> the midnight hour is close at He sounds like a really cool guy. He sounds like a Mr. Rogers-level guy. You know, he I think he was an art collector. Uh, mm-hmm. He was married oh, for a long Vincent time. Price? Yeah, I think so. Vincent Canby, which is the one oh, that the movie oh, Vincent reviews. Price, and he, Judith he was, Light. I think he seems like a very cool guy. Uh, I'm sorry I never got to meet that guy because you know, but you know what? He had career longevity. He's one of those guys like like uh, like uh, my hero Ray Milan. He's one of those guys who like found a way to work. He was getting work right. He, you go, you check your book. Are you available? Yes, right. He was he was doing a film over here, and his eyebrows were doing a separate engagement over here. He was making money two times. That's how you can tell that somebody's a pro. His eyebrows might have been going and uh, getting bespoke suit or, or perhaps in lumberjack boots oh, i have so much respect you know oh there's that that, that that joan rivers documentary very hard to watch but i have a lot of respect for people you know who go out and they try to keep their book full now, i yeah. don't do that you don't do that i know I you don't, don't do, do that, that. No. but you know i would love to have more opportunities to be interviewed in a documentary and say I, you know i had room in my book and i did it do you have a book i don't even have a book no i don't give her people I, talk about their books no nah, i don't but I, but I know people who go from one thing to the other. And there, there's a certain point, there's a certain line in the sand where I feel like some of that is just that you're trying to keep the demon dogs off your heels. Um, and you're just doing one thing after another so you never uh, stop, you never hear the screaming in your head. Yeah. But then, then again, the other way of looking at it is that that's really as good as you can get in life. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we all have screaming in our head. We all just need to keep moving from thing to thing. Mm-hmm. There is no value. I'm beginning to feel like there is no value in sitting and thinking about stuff anymore. Oh, John, 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 John. It's so, so true. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get serious here, but you're, but you're right. Thinking, thinking has never fucking done anything for me. No, it really hasn't. I should be filling my book. I should be like Joan Rivers. Well, I don't want to spend as much as Joan Rivers. but I should but, be like Vincent Price's eyebrows. I should be out getting gigs at Magic Castle. That's exactly right. And making things happen and filling up my book. Mm-hmm. 
And Vin- Vincent Price, Thurl Ravenscroft, Paul Lynn, people who say, what time and what do I wear? They show up and they fill their fucking book and they don't have to think. I don't even know if they even unpack. You know what I mean? They're probably moving so fast. Right. That's how you get the center square on Hollywood squares. That's right. You don't, you don't get there by sitting at home waiting for somebody to call. No, you write jokes for the Oscars. You go fill up your book. Got to get that book. I got to get up. First of all, A, I'm going to write this down. A, I've got to get a book and then right. I've got to fill it. I got to pee. Well, I got to pee. I got to pee, but I got to go. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, you're three well, by got, five cards. Well, I'm out of cards and I have to pee. Yeah. That's, that's kind we should, of an, we should we that's, take a break and come back. That's unceremonious end. Um, I have to pee. Yeah. Quick. Okay, we'll take a break. Outstanding. Feel better? Yeah. You use that phrase a lot, category error. I don't know what that, that means. Don't tell me, but I'm going to say I made the category error mm-hmm. of before our show having a large bowl of soup, a ginger ale, and a Snapple. Oh, those are all liquids. <laughs> you went to the UW. <laughs> I did. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know. We've never done anything like this, John. Do you think, you think this is going to work okay? What, with the interlude? <sighs> I think it'll be fine. We could drop in some uh, some Goldberg variations or something. Yeah, I mean, we, you, we, don't saying, we don't have the rights. We don't have the rights for uh, the Hendrix uh, estate. Oh right, right, right. You gotta have the rights. I should have. Uh, I should have improvised something. Although that that version of Purple Haze, I think qualifies as jazz. I think it's. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You know what I'm actually playing. You know what song I'm playing. Holy shit. Well, sometimes sit back, leave something to keep you warm. I'm playing Ice Cream Man. Holy shit. You've been doing it for 35 years. That's my other impersonation. You keep saying, oh, we should edit that out. Oh, we should edit that out. But we never edited anything on this podcast. I've edited two things, I think. Excepting, you know, One of us said boobies. Yeah, had to cut that out. Now, no, no, I um, I don't realize until later how much I sniff oh. on the show. I sniff a lot, and I don't nasal drip. Well, I have allergies, and I take ADD medicine, so there, I'm sure there's something in between. Or I eat a lot of soup. Mm. So one time there was one show where it was unlistenable how much I sniffed, <laughs> and I went through and I iraglassed out all of the sniffs. Wow, I never and realized you put any work into this thing. I don't. No, no, no. That was once, once, once. And there's oh. another time where we had a really good episode, and I cut out seven hours of arguing about religion. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to mention that. I'm not going to mention that. We're going to cut all that out. Oh, that that's the beauty great. part. I mean, that's what makes this show the last yeah. episode of our program. Because people will listen to this, you know, hopefully chronologically. People should be listening. John, you know me. I don't like to pimp my stuff. I don't like to tell people what to do. You should fucking listen to every episode of this show. And while you're waiting for John to put out the next episode of the show, you should keep listening to it and listen to them in order. Because it's cumulative. It's like fucking organic chemistry, like from John's brain. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, we're building a pyramid. And when we reach the top, we are going to touch the hem of God's garments. Super Train, which like all of our episodes, is even better than the one before because your wisdom continues to to grow each week with what you learn. Right. Uh, We went from, I don't know if you noticed this, but we went from hang up to Mike Mills's uh, penis cocaine in Mm -hmm. like 30 minutes. I don't understand. I don't understand the construction. Of oh, you that don't listen to the program sentence. like I do. Um, <clears throat> the last program ended with you talking about how uh, how your how your drinking buddy uh, Mike Mills uh, shoots. Yeah. Do you shoot cocaine in your penis? Do you do bumps? How do you do that? Do you need a, I, do you need a penis coke mirror? You know, I think it's one of those things where you squeeze all the air out of your penis and then you stick it in the cocaine and then you let go of it and it just sucks. The they call it cocaine. milking. They call that milking. It also keeps it's reverse from, milking. Reverse milking, yeah. <laughs> and it keeps you from getting an embolism. 
Yeah. You know you about know embolisms? I, I don't know much about embolisms. You're well, never I know, suppo- I know it's pulmonary. Okay. You never blow into a lady's vagina. Did you know that? I didn't know that. She can get an embolism. I'm going to have to c- completely adjust <laughs> my ch- technique. <laughs> You're going to have to have to consult with the owls on what uh, we need to change up I'm a little gonna bit. Have to, I'm going to have to put this vuvuvula in the dishwasher. <laughs> I don't even know what that word is. <laughs> I gotta say, also, if I, if I could, uh, that the uh, I want to let you continue, but the um, the the um, feathered roach clip yeah. seems like a terrible idea on so many levels. Of all the things that I would want in a roach clip, having yeah. flammable, excuse me, inflammable bird parts is about the last thing I would want on a roach clip. Well, but you remember that the extension of the feathered roach clip was that people that that girls started wearing earrings, like well, that's that John, that's like that's supposed to be what it's for. It's like how you know some people use Coke cans to drink Coke instead of instead of smoke weed. Uh huh. I think. I, I guess. Right. No, I know exactly who drinks Coke anymore. Right. You, you you get a Coke mirror. You drink your Coke right off the mirror. Now 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 I think the idea was the whole reason you could have that was that you go tee hee hee. Like oh, you clip it on your earring. What's for your hair? Well, no, you don't put a fucking alligator clip on your ear. I mean, I think it's you know <laughs> unless you're German, but I think you put it in your hair. You put it in your hair. Oh, oh, it's like uh, it's like a little bit of a, it's like a bit of flair. It's a hair flotchy. It's a little bit of flair. By the oh, way, where, where the fuck is my mo? I'm, how do I get my mo from you? Well, uh, are you talking about your 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 binky? No, 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 your, no. The, the, the German the German fan who sent me a mo. Oh, oh, your mo. Oh, well, I'm, that, I have it here in the box. We put it in the box with your cello. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just making a, a Merlin care package. I got your mo. Uh-huh. I, got, I got your cello. Right. I'm just throwing stuff in it as I wait see until it. you got five things and send them. I've got uh, I've got a copy of uh, Live from New York, the uh, the oral history of Saturday Night Live. I have that book. That's a terrific oh, book. All right, I'll take it out. Okay, then. so now we got to wait for more. Okay, I'm glad there's no way for people to contact us. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you have you have steadfastly refused to have a comment page on anything you do. Oh, and that I requires think, very little steadfastness on my part. It's, just, it's, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. It's very good. What would they say? What would they say? Thank you for helping me. Okay, we know. Yeah. No, they would say blah 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 blah. So some uh, some kid sent me an email the other day. One of these one of these emails that only you 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 could. You could only write a thing like this if you were 22 years old. If you're 23, you're too wise. Otherwise, the, the computer won't even accept it. Yeah, if you're 21, you're. I, I have to assume you're doing something else. But this guy wrote me a letter in response to one of my Seattle Weekly articles where he said the, the article, the, the letter itself, like, refuted and negated itself 13 times you know like oh you, oh, you hate that you're oh. one of the you know what you're john roderick you are a guy who just one of, you're the one of the music business people who who stands in in between you're one of the music business hipsters that stands in between good new music and the and the world and yet your band sucks and nothing you do matters and yet you are part, you know, and he just he goes, he's just reading me the riot act, mm. all these things, and 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 throughout the course of the letter, you can tell by the references he's making that he is a super fan. He's listening to every, he's listening to every album. He's seen us fifteen times. You know, he's like he's just having a Tourette's moment or something where he is he or or he's one of those people that hates something so much that he goes and like obsesses over it and absorbs it all. Right. I I, uh, I I feel like I feel like if we had a comments page. Well, no. I mean, we do have a comments page. It's on iTunes, and it's called the internet. Get a fucking blog. Yeah. And then, uh, John, <clears throat> I'm glad nobody listens to this show because I'll be honest with you. 
Praise Jesus. Uh huh. That is that. What you're describing there is, uh, I you know whatever. I, I get stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I know you it's do. so fucking creepy it's so creepy because every time i get something like that which is if i hadn't read everything you've ever done and loved you so much i wouldn't want to kill you kind of stuff you know (laughs) which isn't the case please don't write that that's super weird but like it's it's almost like every time i I hear something like what you're describing i imagine like like a frat boy who's just beat up his friend and is like crying while he's fucking him like there's just something about it that's like so i fucking love you but i hate you man yeah you know now watch out that guy's got probably that guy might come in and try to steal one of your owls. You might need your you might need your daughter to use force lightning against that guy. You never know. Are you sure well, it's a guy? I, I'm not sure. I you actually, should run it through one of those computer programs and find out what you sure. can learn. Good might be your editor point. at the weekly. Good point. But I do. I relish someone trying to breach my perimeter because oh, I have, you mean literally come into your house. You're, this is this is your opportunity. No, oh, I'm waiting for it. I get that sense. Just, just to close, just to close one quick loop. You definitely did not write that guy back at all, especially by interleaving responses to everything he said. You no, definitely no, no. didn't I write learned, back. I learned that many, many years. You really ago. didn't write back? No, don't reply. Oh my God, you turned a corner, John. I have, I have. I turned a corner. It was, a, it was. I learned it. I learned it in part from you, in part from Dave, Dave Eggers. You both mm-hmm. have lectured me many times. Don't reply. You know Dave Eggers. Yeah, and he says, hmm. uh, uh, and he has said many times, people, things that people write about you on the internet are none of your business. Don't read them. Wow. Don't read those things. Don't mm-hmm. read reviews of your writing. Don't read reviews. Mm-hmm. It is none of your business. It's not for you. And uh, and I'm like, uh, that's very hard for me to do. And he said, I know. It's hard for all of us. But don't ever read what people write about you on the internet. Hmm. And um, And then you have said a similar thing, different, but similar many times. Do not reply to trolls. But but uh, there is only one reply, which is if you if you hate it so much, why are you listening to it? That's not a response. If you know, my <laughs> response is my response is a is a very old joke. The punchline from a very old joke, as quoted by uh, Morrissey in the uh, leadoff track, the titular track from uh, "The Queen Is Dead." Hmm. And, and and once a month, I do this almost exactly once a month. I should put <laughs> it on my calendar. I will yell back at a civilian once a month yeah. who yells at me on Twitter in particular, and I will say, uh, "That's nothing. You should hear me play piano." <laughs> Remember that joke? You ever heard that joke? I'm not sure. Oh, you didn't have the Queen is dead. Uh, well, let me tell you my. You can't. Now you can tell me in a minute. You got two more things to tell me. I said, <laughs> I know you and you cannot sing. I said that's nothing. You should hear me play piano. La la la. <laughs> oh God. I bet you Sean sings that a lot. I'm sure he does. Okay, sorry, I cut you off. You no, are no, no. You, my, your my perimeter. Sister, your perimeter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. My sister worked in a record store when she was a young teenager. She was a very hip girl when she was a teenager. And she worked in a record store during that era, and she has every Smith's 12-inch. There are a lot. Th- there are a lot. Oh, I know. Because they are in my house now. They fill up an entire shelf. All <laughs> oh, great. The- you need more collections, John Roderick. I have, I have all the colored vinyl Smith's <laughs> Do you have the, uh, tw- the 12-inch of This Charming Man with four different versions on it? The London Absolutely mix. do. Absolutely do. I have it. And... Uh, and, and the thing about the Smiths is that they are an incredibly polarizing band, even within my own heart, because some of hmm. their songs are are some of the great songs, and most of their material is unlistenable drink. <laughs> Sorry. 
Get, get that out of my system real quick while you were unlistenable draft. While you were potentially making fun of the Smiths. Did you? Now you got good at that with Sean, right? You got really good at this with Sean because you knew that could get it. Like, isn't isn't with Sean Nelson? You're 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 well, your friend of me. And Colin and every other person who sings in a fake British accent, they all love the Smiths. The Smiths never said that. Well, what's Colin Malloy's voice? What is it again? I'm not going to imitate Colin Malloy on this podcast. Yeah. I told you I introduced myself to him the other, the other I did, day. and I, th- I think that's a good policy. I think everyone who sees Colin should introduce themselves to him and say, I'm a friend of John Roderick. I don't want to derail your, 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 your story about the Smiths and your perimeter, but it was pretty, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, this is, this is literally like, like, a, like less than a month ago. We've right? been doing our program for a while. I know you guys. You guys are a friend of me. What is there a better? A fremesis? A frenesis? <laughs> no, I would say we're friends. Well, I know, I know, but we still haven't told the toilet papering story. But I've tried to explain to my daughter, like the difference between expensive and costly. I yes. want her to understand what I believe. I don't care if it's true. I, what I believe is a huge difference between a, uh, an enemy and a nemesis. Oh, right. right? And sure. obviously, you've you've done that wonderful song with with Jonathan Colton. But right. but what, what I'm saying is, an enemy to me is somebody that you want to destroy and potentially have very little respect for. Right. And a nemesis is like you almost need that person. It's right. a symbiotic. There's a certain kind of uh, respect that could be grudging or not. Uh huh. Now, what about the Roadrunner and Wiley e. Coyote? I think I think the road. Well, you know what? It's not even an even match. I think I think the the, the coyote sees the roadrunner. The coyote as an enemy. needs the roadrunner. I don't think the roadrunner needs the coyote. <laughs> then that makes him so mad. The road it does. That's the he's thing like that he's like creates. the grudge fuck frat boy. The roadrunner is someone who is living in the moment. The roadrunner has no future, no past. Right. For the a while coyote, though, he was your nemesis, right? Was calling your nemesis for a while. The roadrunner. <laughs> I I feel like my relationship with Tom Malloy, uh, uh, like a lot of other musicians, like a lot of gay men, it's complicated. <laughs> A lot of musicians that I respect and admire, my first impulse is to hate them for their uh, for their success. That's just and the also, Alaska. That's the Alaska talking, and also for their talent, and also you know for their uh, their methods, their manners. Um, so Colin and I have spent a lot of time together, and a lot of that time has been uh, in uh, in kind of a, uh, facing each other in a wrestling pose mm. across. Uh, like maybe a, a a rickety bridge made out of bamboo across a, across a, a chasm. But like a lot of my feuds with uh, with rock musicians, uh, at a certain point, uh, what happened with Colin was that he got too rich and famous to care anymore oh, about yeah. the the feud that uh, we were having. That's how you lose the good ones. Yeah, and so then he was like, "Oh, are you still having that feud? I'm yeah. not even here anymore." And then I was like, "Oh, this is this isn't fun anymore. I'm not yeah. going to have a feud with somebody who's not who's not feuding back." So that's that that that's happened a few times as the people that I was feuding with became uh, so rich and famous that they didn't. Uh, I I think I I think uh, I think that Colin, uh, if he listened to this podcast, I would be getting his goat right now. And so that means the feud is is still on. Good. Well, <clears throat> I really doubt. I think he probably he probably has someone who has someone to listen to this. If he does, which he doesn't, probably. But but uh, but but the thing is, let me ask you this. Let me just give you a quick idea here. You uh, have toured with the Decembers. Yes, a few times. Did you are are you not on at least one recording by the Decembers? Yes. Okay. I play f- the backwards piano. 
okay. on, a, on, a, on a December album. And you could, if challenged, sing along with or perhaps even cover like at least the Barrow Boy song or or the Tin Smithy March or any of his I, material. I'm familiar with their the pirate. You, you, you know the, the the Pirates of Yale by heart. In in and many nights, many many nights, uh, Colin has introduced the Chimbley Sweep song <laughs> by saying that it is a song about me and my life story. Uh-huh, Not but, only that, but you're but featured you, in that book. In his new yes. Wildwood book, I am a I am a character. But my point it. is, you are familiar enough with a lot of his stuff. You could probably, if you wanted to, backstage just loud enough for him to hear with his craft services that you're not allowed to touch. You could sing just loud enough a parody of the Chimbley Sweep, mm-hmm. like inserting the word poop a lot. Like if you if you wanted to, you could probably know the chords to, to be able to do that. The the uh, the the main way that I get it's not, uh, really, the not really an answer. The main the main way that I get their goat is to uh, drop constant references to how their songs are all about pirates. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for a while, they took it uh, with, a, with a kind of like a forced smile. And then there was a period where every time I would do it, uh, Colin would say, we have no songs about pirates. None. Not a single one. <laughs> and I would say, oh, right, except for the, that. And then I would, you know, I would list all the, their songs that are about pirates. And he would say, none of those are about pirates. And then uh, we went through a phase where he stopped. Even He just would ignore me. He would just keep his face completely blank. It's called the patrician shrug. And I would, when I would talk about pirates. Uh, now I'm not sure if I, if I said all your songs are about pirates. Maybe, uh, maybe, he would, um, maybe he would laugh. Maybe it's a thing. Maybe it's a, a, a meme now. We've been doing it for so long. The reason but I bring I, it I, up. But I don't think he would laugh. The I reason I bring it up is it seems to me that you are now... Especially given your owls, you are uniquely qualified to write him a super creepy letter. <laughs> in which, in which you display how familiar you are with him, how close you are, how much you know about him, and, and how many fucking things are wrong with him. It's the perfect time. He loves to read. Yeah. No, I think, in fact, I think he might even have a story. He might even have a story like that himself where he wrote a letter like that to someone. Hmm. Uh, I think uh, George Bernard Shaw. Yeah. 